0: Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Well, for the next 30 days, no flights from India or Pakistan will be allowed into Canada due to the soaring COVID-19 cases and a new virus mutation. We've been in a provincial emergency stay-at-home order for weeks now, so what took them so long to implement this? A double-mutant variant of COVID-19 fearing to be driving a record surge in new cases in India has now been found in Canada. What do we know about it? Well, we'll get into that for you. And one year into the pandemic, a new report by morno Shepnel says the feelings of isolation are taking their toll on all of us. It's all coming up. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML... Well, the government has finally acted on uh, something that a lot of people have been asking for for quite some time now. Uh, Yesterday, the uh, Trudeau government is announcing that they are suspending flights from India and Pakistan. As a matter of fact, that ban has gone into effect as of this morning. Transport Minister Omar Al-Ghabra said that uh, because there are too many people arriving in Canada from those two countries with COVID-19, and he says more countries could be added to that list.
1: Our government's top priority is protecting Canadians' health and safety, and our response to the COVID-19 pandemic is guided by the latest science and research. There are currently no flights from Brazil, but we will not hesitate to ban travel from other countries if the science bears that out.
0: So there's the uh, the government's commitment to that, and they be- believe, I-, I guess, obviously from the minister's comments, there that this is actually going to try to flatten the curve. Joining us to talk about this and uh, lots more in a crazy week in politics uh, is our, our good friend Richard Brennan, retired journalist with the Toronto Star, who covered Queen's Park and Parliament Hill uh, for many years. Uh, Badger, I hope you're doing well these days.
1: Oh no, no complaints here, Bill.
0: I got a question for you right off the top. I, I saw, as I'm sure you did, uh, the the words from the the minister, the transport minister, yesterday. If the government is committed to this, uh, as they say they are, why was it an opposition motion that actually got the ball rolling on this, as opposed to a government motion?
1: Yeah, it was it was a block MP yeah. who introduced a motion to uh, restrict flights uh, from India, and actually his in his case, the motion was Brazil, but the. <laughs> And it was unanimously agreed upon by all MPs from all sides. So really that was the impetus, as far as I'm concerned, uh, to the government finally finally making a decision. Bill, i can got well, to tell you, at, at the top it's, of this segment, I think it should be called a, uh, a day late and a dollar short.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, because it, it's applicable, I think, both to Parliament Bill, Hill and at Queen's Park exactly. with what's going on uh... and uh... Or, or yeah yeah subtitle is i didn't mean that but I, i'm saying this now uh, because it was just the day before that we got well from uh, Teresa Th- Tam of course the chief medical officer and, and her assistant Dr. New saying you know what those bans really don't work and it's not really something we want to pursue and and less than 24 hours later of course then there's a unanimous motion that's passed in the house that's saying yeah we need to do this mean, so it's no wonder people are confused
1: but isn't that bill isn't that typical this pandemic you know, we have politicians and and you know and medical experts saying one thing, and the next thing we know, it's changed, complete reversal. So you need a, You need a scorecard to figure out what the heck is going on. No wonder people are confused. Like you say, it just it, it boggles the mind that we can hear we can hear Tam one day saying. Oh, now these really, you know, you know, stopping flights and that, it really doesn't work, you know. What, what are you thinking about? And then, you know, a couple of days later we find out, oh, yeah, we're going to stop flights, which they should have done a long time ago. I mean, the, the problem in India, and, and God bless them, I hope they, they get around it, but they, this is not new. And this should have been done again, like many things, a few weeks ago but you know i guess we should give him a you know marks for finally doing it now i suppose
0: the numbers here are staggering. And first of all, when they were saying why this is not such a good idea, uh, the health minister Patty Healy said that look, only 1.8 percent of the cases detected actually come from travellers. Uh, but the minister doesn't seem to recall that, that those may be the, the positive cases, but they spread it once they get here. Uh, so it's a lot more than just 1.8 uh, percent. And then she, uh, when they just tried to justify it yesterday to say this is why we're doing it, uh, in the in, as you say with the uh, the reverse and the about face on this, uh, we find out that uh, even though. Only twenty percent of the people arriving in this country come from India and Pakistan. They account for fifty percent of the positive cases, which begs the question, as you just did: What took them so long?
1: Well, that's it. I mean, you're right. The numbers their numbers are low in terms of the actual people coming down with their, or showing signs of it. But it's the spread that's the problem. It's not the individual. It's what they bring. It's what they bring with them or the people they meet and how it, it's just like a, a dominoes. And finally, they, they've they come to the conclusion, oh, geez, we better do something. Well, you know, I, I'm no epidemiologist, as i told you in the show before, and, and I don't have a crystal ball, but geez, you should be able to figure this out.
0: Well, let's use past uh, comparison of past policy, I guess, as, as a kind of a bellwether for this. Uh, around Christmas time, just a few months ago, uh, when word of these variants first started, and, the, and we heard about them from South Africa uh, and also from the UK, as soon as those UK cases were reported, we banned flights from the UK until we could find out what's going on. I mean, that was decisive action. Uh, what, you know, why not apply that same set of standards to what was going on over the last five months now?
1: Bill, it's like we try to reinvent the wheel every day. It's like we're not learning from what's happened in the past, history, or not even history, what's happened, like you say, at Christmas time. We we took decisive, you know, the federal government took decisive action. But then things started to slide. And we're not really making, you know, we're not going to make a decision yet. We'll see how it goes. Well, you know how it goes. You've seen how it goes. So, why would you possibly hold back on making the decision like they finally had to, and that was to stop the flights?
0: That's something that they have to be, you know, responsible for. I mean, that's what we're looking for from our, our political leaders, isn't it? This is first of all some consistent messaging, but at the same time, uh, you know, some policies that are going to direct it. So, which I think segues very nicely into what happened at Queens Park this week. Let's, if we could shift over to there, uh, and and Doug Ford, and and well, we can go back to last Friday, I guess, and the announcement that they finally made about four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, that was met with so much uh, pushback, of course, because of the the you know the extra powers for police, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and i, I, I got to tell you, I was talking to a number of my colleagues before the, the Premier made his, uh, his little presentation yesterday, uh, and, and the money was about 60-40. There's no way this guy's ever going to apologize. He just doesn't do that. That's not in his DNA. Uh, were you surprised by that?
1: Well, I hate to do this, uh, do this analogy, but I'll use it anyway. It's like a, 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 a cornered rat it, it, they're finally going to come out. And they're going to, you know, in this case, they're going to, you know, not from come out fighting. But in this case, he apologized. But that apology went over like a lead balloon. You know, the fact that he's been, he has to, you know, stay stay at his mother's home uh, for a few days, and finally, he gets this epiphany about, oh, geez, this really is serious. And and I and I feel for the and the front line troops. And boy, it can't be good. And you go, what? where have you been? And, and that, like I say, the apology went over like a lead blue, and I just kind of, just for a second, read uh, Martin Collins, a uh, columnist from the Toronto <laughs> yeah. Star, he referred to the uh, apology, he said, there reeks of hyperbole wrapped in hypocrisy, enveloped in hubris.
0: And, I, I wish you'd get off the fence and just tell us how you feel about it. <laughs> the
1: point is, you know, I, you, it might be a little over the top, but just the same. People aren't buying it. You're saying, you you know, the polls just today, Angus Reid uh, says that, uh, what is it, uh, 43% said they blamed the province for not uh, preventing it. And uh, or 69% said they, you know, the latest was preventable and they they blame the province 43% and his numbers the premier's numbers are you know down in the 20s now this is finally starting to stick and it, again you know we can't lay all the blame at Doug Ford's feet come on we just can't do that regardless of that it's sticking to him and and he has to he has to shake it when a, when a government gets a reputation for being a bunch of bumbler,s it is a hard thing to shake.
0: Well, we've seen that happen in the not too distant past, haven't we? With uh, different governments of different uh, political stripes. Absolutely, but,
1: and I'm not saying I'm not drawing any conclusion here. Believe me, uh, I'm not going to say you know, they're not. You know, some might say this, but I think they're they're uh, a bit beyond themselves. That they'll, he'll lose this next election. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm telling you he's in a tough spot right now politically. The province is in a tough spot uh, in terms of health, and the ICUs are full. And and people, the one thing that just shocked me yesterday was there are now it's so bad there are people dying at home and not even getting to the hospital.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's frightening when you hear those stories uh, uh, about this rapid pace that's going on, and we're going to get into the details about the variants. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about, too, because some of the, the feedback I heard after the, the, the Doug Ford thing from yesterday uh, was they said that the media was too hard on them. Uh, but you know, here with this, he was penitent. He was sorry that he did what he did, and uh, and and then he got into the Q and A. And and some of your ex colleagues, some guys that you've worked with for a long time, uh, really kind of legged into him with, I thought, some pretty hard hitting questions. But uh, that's their job, first of all, and second of all, I think what happened and what the the questions that were asked and the manner in which they were asked, I think it is is a an indicator of the frustration that they're feeling and everybody in the province is feeling right now because of, of the, the mixed messaging and, and the don't do this, then I'll do this, or oh, change my mind doing this. I mean, your head's spinning trying to keep up with all this stuff, and, and I think that was reflective in, in in what the media was doing yesterday.
1: Well, all I can say to the, the Premier and his, his cabinet is welcome to politics.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, you, would you think it was going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be all sunshine and roses for the, you know, for four years? And then you would just automatically be elected the next, you know, next time around. Well, I mean, the pandemic has thrown a wrench into that. I, sure, you, you, the, if the reporters sounded frustrated, well, they're just reflecting on how the public is feeling. Sure. And you think, well, the, the media is picking on, you know, Bill, how many times I've heard that in my career.
0: Probably five times before breakfast every morning. Yeah.
1: Oh, boy, the the public's picking, or the media's is picking on me, and woe is me. Well, you know what? Buck up and get on with it. That's what I say
0: well it's part of the job and and frankly uh, you know uh, the, the premier's responses to some of those questions was 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 the typical Ford response he just started deflection not my fault not this I mean for a guy that you know 20 minutes before that was saying the buck stops with me all of a sudden he's going to blame this person black person uh, the one that jumped out at me that I was just about to jump through the TV at was when he said look at just 10 doctors about what to do and you get 11 different opinions and that's not, those not, not that's not what I hear I mean I talk to those doctors all the time on this program the yes. ones that are sitting on this panel uh dr uni and dr Bagash and, and everyone else and they're speaking with one voice there are not 11 different opinions there there's one opinion and he wasn't listening to it and why doesn't he just say that and admit that i mean that that's really what the messaging was and and when he starts going back and backtracking on that one again it's no wonder that people are going to get mad at him
1: well you know what people voted voted doug ford in because they thought he was going to be different and maybe the different isn't what they were looking for you know one of the first got to remember one of the first things he did bill was to get rid of the two days sick pay two yep. days that the Liberals had brought in he came in and did away with it and scratch left many people scratching their head not people aren't entitled to two days at least and now now with him sitting at home by the way being paid and, and I don't begrudge him that by any stretch but he is being paid, and it, he, I guess he's finally, like I said, had this epiphany that, you know, that people have to, you know, spend time at home during a uh, crisis, you know, corona crisis, and you know, maybe maybe we should be paying these people to stay at home so they don't spread it. And but he, to think that he's only finally getting that message now, I what? Well, I'll, over a year since it first crept into the country, and he's just he's just realizing that now. I just find that, and I, I think many of the listeners will find it just beyond the pale that this that the premier could not think that this was an issue many many months ago, and now they're talking about bringing in sick days uh, for people again to keep people uh, uh, from going into their workplaces, whatever, and spreading it. Well, you know what? Doctors, have been, doctors on, on the, uh, his, that panel that instructs him have been calling for this for weeks, if not months, and now it's finally an issue. It's an issue, a lot of people think, because he, he's got his back against the wall.
0: Well, and part of the problem was was when it first came up uh, and it was brought up in the legislature back when they were still doing question period, uh, he simply dismissed it as, well, that's just the opposition being the opposition. I mean, they, they're just, you know, left-wing whack jobs and they, they don't know what they're doing. But just around Christmas time, uh, you know, when we started getting this story about the variants, uh, it was the doctors that were speaking up. You know, they're not political. They're simply saying this has got to be part of the process. This has to be part of the solution. And he ignored them, too. Uh, you know, it's, it's until he gets it right in his face... This kind of goes back to, and you and I had this discussion, I think, when he first got elected. He, for all intents and purposes, still a political neophyte back in those days. I mean, I know he'd served on Toronto Council, but uh, that was a rather tumultuous time in Toronto for city councillors especially. But he was also, I think, uh, part of... Victimized by the fact that I mean, he and his brother were part of this Ford Nation. They were almost a, a cult-like following of people that just loved him, and and you know and he, they could do no wrong. Uh, then he goes into the broader arena of, of, of provincial politics, and uh, this you know he got the leadership and everything. But now all of a sudden he's he's open to criticism, and he's getting it from officers Sickles. And it's, it's I don't know that he can handle it that well. And I, I'm I'm not saying he's less of a person for that. A lot of people can't. But if that's, as you've said a number of times, it goes with the job. If you want to be the premier, you better be ready to take the heat.
1: Well, you know, and I just want to point this out, that it's just not Doug Ford that is suffering at, in, in the polls right now. I mean, Jason Kenney, the premier in Alberta, yeah. he's down in the 20s uh, in terms of uh, support. And, he, and, and Brian Pallister, the, the uh, premier of Manitoba, he, you know, People are looking at all these these street leaders and saying, you're not doing a very good job.
0: Uh, and the ones who are uh, in the Maritime Provinces, well, two of them just got reelected. Uh, elected yeah. you know, Elections in the middle of pandemics and they said, yeah, well, I love what you guys are doing because there are numbers there that indicate they're doing the right job. It's uh, it's it's not rocket science, as we've said, and nobody expects Doug Ford to be an expert on pandemics, but they do expect him to consult with those experts and, and form the policy based on that information. And and it was pretty clear from the conversations I had with Dr. Uni and others that sit on that panel to say that wasn't happening. I mean, Dr. Uni told me, I, mean, I know you heard that interview he said he was ready to quit to resign but then he realized no you know somebody has to be there there has to be a voice of reason and thank god they've all decided to stay uh we now want to find out whether or not the the premier is is sincere about what he said yesterday and he is going to start listening uh, because we're not so sure that's happening yet
1: well the the provincial medical officer health williams uh he said that uh people are to blame for this yeah well At first blush, you go, "Give me a break," but on the other hand, he's not entirely wrong. I mean, we've not we've all, but many many people out there have just not comprehended what has to be done to to bring this pandemic to heal. And he's right there, but to blame the people for for this spread, hold on a second now, you know aren't you the folks that are there there to protect us and make the decisions that will help us keep the spread down that's a little i don't know i just thought that's a little much when i heard that
0: well your your point's well taken i mean there's some culpability here there are people that are just thumbing your nose at it uh and and that's that, you know, I'm not going to def- defend them because they're, they're indefensible. But the other element here is right now in this province and in the other provinces that you've referenced, they don't trust their government. And if you don't trust the government, why would you listen to what they have to say? You know, you look at at, at you know Premier Rankin, for instance. They trust him. They like to get – again, they're following what he tells them to do, and it's working. You've got to develop that trust. And right now, this government, not just Doug Ford, but this entire government, has lost the trust of the people. Uh, and you've you – know, Following this stuff for a lot longer than I have, how do you get that back? It's, you can't just say, "Hey, I'm changed. I'm a different guy." You don't just say it with a speech. It takes a long time to lose it, and it takes a longer time to get it back.
1: Well, he's got what a year left yep. to get that back, and this pandemic's not going to be over for a while. I, I, I believe that we'll still be, we'll still be, you know, trying to contend with this uh, pandemic. Probably, you know. Well into uh, the early next year, in terms Could of well everybody <clears throat> having to still wear a mask, and uh, there'll still be you know pockets of it pro- you know cropping up here and there. So, you know, he, he's he's not running out of time, but he's hasn't got a lot of time.
0: Exactly, and, and well.
1: that's what he's going to have to he's going to have to take charge and show people that he's the leader that they thought he was when they voted for him in, like, in two thousand eighteen. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll see what happens today and uh, the days forward as we go through with this. Uh, Badger, we got to run. We're just about out of time. Uh, stay healthy, and we'll talk you again next yes, week. Thank you all. thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Richard Brandon. of course, who covered uh, Queen's Park and Carnival for many, many years, of course, for the Toronto Star. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the, the latest news about the pandemic and about the, the viruses now, what's uh, called a double mutant and the impact it's having. And we saw some of the impact, of course, yesterday with the federal government's announcement of about uh, banning flights from uh, India and Pakistan for the time being. Uh, and we want to talk a little bit about what's going on over there because it's certainly going to be impactful. And yesterday during the the federal government announcements, uh, an interesting twist of this whole thing from uh, Major General Danny Fortin, uh, who says that the escalating case numbers in India actually are going to have an impact on vaccines here. The AstraZeneca vaccine, a lot of the stuff that we're using here in Canada, is uh, being manufactured in India. And according to uh, Major General Fortin, that's going to be on hold now.
2: We will not see doses this month as uh, the situation in India continues to uh, um, to be the way it is.
0: That's not the kind of news we wanted to hear, obviously, when we're talking about ramping up vaccination programs right across the country. Uh, so what is happening, and what kind of an impact is it having, and what are we doing about it on this side of the ocean uh, to try to mitigate the impact of this? Uh, so pleased to welcome to the program uh, Professor Thomas Tenkate, who is a professor at the School of Occupational Public Health at Brierson University. Professor, thank you so much for the time today. Great to have you with us this morning. Uh,
2: it's great to be with you, Phil.
0: Let me ask you right, right off the top uh, I, I want to go right into your wheelhouse here about workplace safety because it's one of the most contentious points I think in 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 government policies whether it's provincial federal policy whatever the case might be about trying to deal with hot spots and and as we found out here in Ontario uh, those hot spots, an awful lot of them are in workplaces they're in you know manufacturing uh, situations they're in warehousing and things of this nature. Uh, are we doing a good enough job to try to beat this virus right there at Ground Zero?
2: Well, I, I think what what people have to keep remembering is that because this is a you know airborne transmission, whenever you're in close contact with someone, if if you know if someone is infected, they can transmit it to you, and so so it means that you know within a workplace, if there aren't the measures in place to you know control the spread, then it's going to just spread like wildfire through that workplace, and. And so I think you know that's that's something that we have to keep in mind. That uh, you know the the workplaces that are still working, where where people are actually in the workplace, you know they're they're providing really essential services for for the community. And so we really need to uh, provide a lot of support for those workplaces to to put in place appropriate protection measures for their workers.
0: Do we, uh, as, as as like one politician mentioned the other day, do we take our foot off the gas as soon as we see that it starts to get a little bit better, because uh, it just seems to jump back at us, tw- you know, twice as hard, and we've seen that happen so many times over the last year, where we relax uh, some of the restrictions and maybe relax some of the protocols, uh, and basically give the virus a chance to get up off the floor.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, what we're seeing now is uh, is a direct result of just easing restrictions. You know, you know. You know, a month six weeks ago uh, a bit too early you know we, we were in a you know a downward downward uh, trend and we were we were doing really well with that but uh, you know once the numbers were around a thousand per day then they sort of pulled the brakes off in regard to restrictions and uh, we've just from then we've just seen them it going back up again and so so yeah really you know because of the way the, the the virus spreads and 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 uh, the multiplication factor you know it, once you've got it, once you've got it on the downward trend you've just got to keep the, keep the brakes on and make sure that uh, you know you keep it under control but, but each time we've we've done a good job with that we've sort of eased off a bit too early and and we're in the situation we're in now.
0: Is, is that what happened to India? I don't I, think I a chance to do an analysis there, because I, I can remember not that many months ago, really, Professor, uh, we were actually pointing to India and say, hey, there's one of the countries that got it right. Their numbers had gone down considerably, and they, they seemed to have everything under control. And now all of a sudden, as you say, it's like wildfire.
2: Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, India and and you know, Pakistan and other countries, you know, it is a lot more difficult to control the uh, spread of the virus, uh, particularly because of the 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 living conditions and and just the uh, social conditions there, uh, so and, and the other aspect is you know how accurate is the real the data from those countries, you know, it, you know if we think it's hard here, you know it's it's you know extremely hard there to try and control it so so you know they were doing a good job but uh, you know with the uh, this this what they're calling this double mutant uh, 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 virus of of uh, concern or or their virus of interest they're calling it uh, variant of interest it it's really taken off now and and because it's much more transmissible it's uh it's much much harder to control so so yeah and that's what you know with with the uh the the pandemic continuing for so long this is what we really expected is that you know at this point in time the all, the, all of these variants would be starting to take hold because the the virus, the original viruses, been mutating and mutating and mutating, you know, around the world, and it's 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 basically it's that process is enabling it to get a much stronger foothold, and so so you know really the problem is that you know early on we didn't really crack down as as much as we should, and now it's it's sort of getting it's, it's becoming much harder to control across the world.
0: Is, is this the natural path that, that, that these viruses take though? The, uh, well, we know that they, they mutate but uh, does it always happen where there's there's a mutation and as we say now a double mutant uh, which is a mutation on the mutation I suppose uh, but it seems every time that happens Professor it comes back stronger and more dangerous than before.
2: Um, yeah definitely that you know that's what the uh, virus is doing basically you know, its its role in life is to try and uh, su- sustain itself, and the way it sustains itself is 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 mutating to become uh, more resistant to the measures that we put in place against it, and so so it's really that uh, that tug of war between us and the virus. You know, the virus its way of 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 uh, getting you know sort of maintaining itself is by continuing to mutate, so so uh, it. Uh, it be, is able to you know keep spreading more effectively whereas our role is to try and you know, stop the spread and so 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 yeah it, that, that's what we're really dealing with now and and you know even though there's you know a, you know a handful of these uh, variants of concerns that we're talking about there's there's literally thousands of of uh, variants out there uh, and uh, you know with 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 uh, multiple multiple mutations since the original original virus so so I think that's that you know that's something that people have to remember is that that it is a real fight between us and the virus and and in a lot of ways without uh, stringent prevention measures and without the uh, vaccine uh, distribution and and uh, people getting vaccinated we will you know we're, we're actually losing that battle because the virus is is really well trained in you know, mutating and, and, and uh, adapting.
0: One of the areas, I guess, that when we look at some of the hotspots, and obviously we're dealing with India and Pakistan here because of the the government announced it yesterday, but Brazil's included in that number as well, uh, where we've seen this revival. Population density, I would think, probably ha- plays a factor in this, doesn't
2: it? Uh, yeah, definitely, you know, it's a combination of, uh, you know, social conditions, uh, population density, the measures that the, the that the local uh, authorities are put in place to try and control the spread. Uh, you know, all of those factors come, you know, come together to decide, uh, you know, how effectively the virus is able to transmit throughout that community. And uh, you know, once you add in uh, the ability for for the virus to, you know, travel with people when they travel, uh, that that's when we come into this aspect of uh, travel restrictions. Uh, and that's what what I think the you know the federal government is saying. We need to put some brakes on the the influx of the virus from specific countries because of the way it's uh, uh, being handled in those countries
0: just what we've seen happen over the last 14 months i guess does that indicate to us professor that lockdowns do work that they can be effective whether it's banning flights or simply as you say cutting out anything except you know the, the most essential of services that need to be delivered uh, which sounds to me very much like what happened in new zealand in australia and i understand new zealand's a much smaller country but nonetheless they, they did a masterful job of, of to con- i guess controlling the virus because they never even had a second or third wave uh, haven't yet anyway uh, because of of those measures is is that the game plan is that what we need to follow here
2: yeah yeah definitely the the you know what we've really got to be doing is trying to control the, the spread within uh, what we would call congregate uh, settings so so that's wherever people can congregate and uh you know it means that that uh any setting where lots of people are that's what we've got to really control, and so so all those sort of lockdown measures, uh, res- travel restrictions, all of those all of those measures are really trying to uh, keep people within their in essence their own bubble, and mm-hmm. that bubble is their own household, and and so when you go out of your household, you know try we're trying to minimise contact that you might have with other people, and so once you can do that, then you know the virus is not able to transmit. Uh, and spread as, as effectively and if you can do that for an extended period of time then you really uh stop the spread of the virus because it's not able to keep spreading and and uh mutating and uh and and infecting more people who then infect more people so so it's really about keeping people in essence in their own bubble that they don't then can, uh, uh, have contact with as uh other people or as many other people and, and so that's what we're really trying to do with all of these measures
0: well especially with these variants and I'm, I'm glad you had some time to talk to us about this because there's an awful lot of questions and i think I'll, I, I i think a lot of us are getting worried again when we start hearing about for instance in this case the double mutant that we're just talking about here because once again they're raising the, the specter of well maybe this is going to be stronger than the vaccine uh we thought that with the first number and it, it seemed to say so far anyway that the vaccines that we are rolling out right now uh seem to be effective against this the second uh, wave of this but not we're not sure about what's going to happen with the double mutant if, if that continues to evolve uh is there a a risk a a concern that at some point the vaccines are going to be uh, just null and void they're not going to be effective against whatever is coming up whether it's going to be a fourth or fifth uh, edition of this uh, mutation
2: well well, definitely that that is a concern uh you know if you think about the seasonal flu every year we have a new flu shot and Mm -hmm. that's because there's a you know a new variant uh that that isn't that the uh, previous vaccine isn't uh, effective against, and and so yeah, definitely we could be in that situation if if this if the spread of the these these variants isn't isn't able to be uh, you know check put in check, then then uh, once a particular one that mightn't be able to be controlled as well with the, with the vaccines, if it starts to take hold, then. The, the you know the measures that we put in place and particularly the vaccines that we've used uh, you know may not you know aren't going to be as effective and so then we have to look at well creating a new uh, type of you know a, a, a variant of the vaccine to be able to deal with the variant and so so it, so it's really an ongoing process and, and you know we've seen that with uh, you know on a yearly basis with the seasonal flu and, and mm-hmm. longer term that might be what we people might have to be, uh, you know, thinking about is, you know, uh, right now we're getting a vaccine against, the, in essence, the first suite of uh, COVID viruses, but on an ongoing basis, maybe on a yearly basis or so, we might have to have, in essence, a booster shot for whatever the latest variant is
0: well and i know i'm glad you use the analogy of the flu because i mean i remember covering the story here just a couple of weeks ago where uh the the, the flu that they thought was going to impact us this past winter it was essentially was a non-entity there's hardly anything there but i i, I would imagine that's because we're, we're social distancing and we're washing our hands in other words we're not giving that virus a, an opportunity i mean i had my shot and i kept waiting well i guess i'm going to get a mild version we didn't get anything a lot of us didn't get anything this year uh, which i guess probably underscores the fact that even if we are vaccinated against uh the covid virus that we're talking about professor uh if we don't follow the other protocols the, the hand washing and social distancing and, and well the masking i guess has to be part of that now too uh you're only going to give this virus an opportunity to get back on its feet again
2: Uh yeah definitely you know the vac- vaccination is really one you know sort of plank in the series of levels and of measures, and it's really that combination of measures that, that gives us an ability to control the virus, so and, and the spread of the virus. So, so definitely, I you know I'd encourage everyone to even if they are vaccinated, you know, with either the first dose or or with the double with the two doses, to to still maintain, you know, hand washing, social distancing, mask wearing. And particularly with the, these new uh, variants, I'd encourage people to uh, double mask. So that's you know it's using using multiple layers of masks or to say two masks, uh, because you know we, we're really in a situation where w- with the transmissibility that, that we're seeing the, the what they're calling the reproductive rate, uh, it, it's really a situation where we if we don't get a control of this. You know the numbers will just keep going up, so so it's really important to maintain those existing measures. But but I think what you'll see in the future is that the government will start implementing additional measures, such as these uh, travel measures. That that I think they might keep extending, and and it's really sort of adding layer on layer to to the basic uh, uh, you know, personal protection measures that that it, we're encouraging everyone, everyone
0: to use. Yeah, it seems as if uh, this is not the end of it. This is maybe just uh, the beginning of a whole series of things that are going on. Professor, thank you so much for the time today. Very insightful, and I really appreciate you taking some time for us. Stay well. Uh,
2: Yeah, thank you very much, Bill. I really appreciate it. Have a great
0: day. Take take care. Professor Thomas Tenkate, of course, from uh, Ryerson University. Uh, Good advice to heed there. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show Podcast on 900 CHML. How are you hanging in there? I mean, it's been a rough, rough ride for us now because of the pandemic and news again about you know, another variants and anybody that thought, well, the lockdown will be over soon and maybe I can get back into the workplace and go back to my office or plant or restaurant or whatever. Uh, It may not be happening anytime soon now, based on some of the information we're getting these days. And that has an impact on it. I mean, it's draining, isn't it, psychologically. uh, And, of course, when you start having some concerns about that sort of thing, all of a sudden it can manifest itself oftentimes in physical problems, too. And we want to talk about that on a consistent basis, because we want to have that conversation and that dialogue. I think that's essential now. And to that end, uh, we're so pleased to welcome to the program Paula Allen. Now, Paula is a global leader and Senior Vice President of Research and Total Well-Being at the Morneau-Sheppel Institute. Uh, Paula, such a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for this.
3: Oh, a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, uh, I, I want our listeners to understand, because you've been doing this for a long time and you have a great expertise in this, I know that you you worked very hard after the uh, H1N1 uh, virus was, was sweeping around and there was a concern about the impact that was having on corporations, businesses, and people. Uh, I, we're we're in the same ballgame now, although this seems to be an awful lot worse and certainly a lot longer than, than anticipated. Uh, and, and I'm looking at uh, the, the, the mental health index report that, uh, that, the, that the company has put out here. Uh, and once again, uh, it's it's not a very encouraging picture at this stage. What what's happening to us psychologically as we go through this pandemic?
3: Yeah, and and you know, you mentioned uh, compared to the H one N one, this is this is in a completely different ballpark. The extent of impact on the population, you know, the fact that basically everyone is is, is impacted and it's lasting for a, a long time has really put this into something actually unprecedented. And what we saw is a massive decline in mental health with all the change and uncertainty and risk that was introduced in our lives. But this hasn't improved, and neither is our mental health. So we're still in a very, very, very vulnerable
0: place. What's well, interesting about this, and I want to compare this with some of the other stats we've seen uh, that, that, the, that the research has done on this, Canadians seem to be worse off than a lot of other countries right now when it comes to the impact it's having on our mental health. Uh, any explanation as to why that might be?
3: Well, we have different starting points. Like, uh, we, we do this, uh, report in Canada, US, Australia, and the UK.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And we actually saw, uh, in Australia, a more significant initial impact, given that they were so close to the epicenter of, of, uh, of the COVID-19 virus. Um, and then they've improved over time as their economy and their, their return to stability has improved, but they're still in a pretty high area of risk as well, and not that far from, from Canada. So, you know, we a- we actually have seen different patterns in different countries, uh, but what's globally true is that the impact on mental health is still quite significant, and we are much more compromised than we were in 2019.
0: Is it because of the length of this? I mean, the, the severity of it, I think, you know, to go back to the way we were 14 months ago, I guess, when I guess we started locking down and many of us started working from home if we were able to, yeah. uh, there was a, a feeling, I think, along, and I certainly was, was one of them, Paula, that thought, uh, there'd be three, four weeks maximum, I'm sure it'll be over and we'll be back to work and, you know, we'll have everything under control again. And, and, and uh, clearly that wasn't the case, and, and we still don't know what the end date is. And I guess that's really probably weighing on our minds as well.
3: Oh, without question. I mean, what, what the pandemic has introduced into our lives is that a lot of change in multiple areas, and the human mind doesn't like change, even the change that is positive. We kind of, you know, have increased stress hormones, taken away a bit of our sense of control, which is so important to us psychologically. Like, we need stability, predictability, and a sense of con- control, and that's eroded, you know, our our relief mechanisms, our recovery mechanisms have been disrupted and many of us hadn't built them back. Connections with others have also been disrupted and that's very protective in terms of mental health. But at this point in time you hit right on it. One of the biggest factors and that's causing a great deal of concern amongst professionals is the length of time that this has been going on. Because when we're feeling under duress, when we're feeling this strain, when we're changing our behaviors, often in a maladaptive way, the longer it goes on, the more difficult it is to spring back.
0: You hit something that, that I've been talking around, and I think you just nailed it here. Control. Uh, And and I don't mean necessarily to be a control freak or, or, you know, that way. But, I mean, I I think a lot of us are like that. And maybe that's the biggest frustration uh, because it all, I guess, manifests itself in various ways with all of us. I mean, for instance, I'm I'm in a car. I want to be the driver. I don't want to be the passenger because I'm in control Mm -hmm. if I'm driving. Uh, And I, I know that's a silly little thing, but, I mean, we have no control over this. And maybe that's what the, the, is driving us crazy more than anything else, is we don't know, we can't control it, we can't make it better all by ourselves. We, we can all do our little part, and you know, we're doing that, but, you know, here we are still at home, for instance, you're still not back to work or whatever the case might be. So we don't have that control, and, and that's got to be awfully frustrating.
3: Yeah, more than frustrating. I mean. You know, there, there, in life, there's obviously things that we learn that we can't control, but we actually psychologically need a sense of control in order to be healthy. We need a sense of predictability, predetermination. Um, when you when you think about the three things that make the biggest difference, it's control, connection, and meaning, and we have lost a lot of the sense of control in terms mm-hmm. of just even small things in our lives. And these, this is more than, you know, just, you know, what we would have expected. We have really had a weakening of our connections with other 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 people, which is a huge risk. And many of us are starting to question the meaning of what we're doing in life and in our yeah. jobs. And actually, so many people are even thinking about leaving their careers as a result of that.
0: What's fascinating about this, and I, I wanted to bring this up because I, I'm sure a lot of people probably are going to be surprised by this, when I'm looking at the latest uh, index report that you guys have done here, uh, and you talk about the impact it has on management. And, and I guess a lot of folks, unless you're in management, don't even think about that. You know, you think about all well, the employees, and boy, this is tough, and you know, there are support programs and financial programs that the governments have put in place to try to, to ease some of the, the, the pain, I guess, and assuage some of the frustration that they're feeling. But managers uh, that you talk to are feeling, a lot more stress than maybe the average employee is. Now, uh, I, I, what's what's the rationale for that?
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it's, a, it's an important thing to pay attention to because we're mm-hmm. depending on managers more than ever, and that's actually part of the issue. So, you know, managers are experiencing the same sort of disruption that we just talked about that everybody else is. You know, they're not immune to that. They're people too. Uh, but on top of that, think about the added responsibilities we put on managers. We've shifted from, you know, in-office situations to at-home situations. to practical, you know, responsibility making sure that people are are are, are okay. There's uh, additional concern and control over basically how the business is going to go because everybody has had to shift a little bit. Nobody's been untouched by this, even if your business is is, is doing well. There's and and the care and control of. Of, of their teams. We found that, that um, at four in five managers have had to deal with a mental health issue of an employee during this period of time, and many haven't been trained by their employers about how to do that appropriately. So all these levels of stress are on managers. And you actually just, maybe even accidentally, you you mentioned, and we don't even care about managers generally, it's not often a group that we actually focus on in terms of, of their own mental health and need for support, and that's a mistake.
0: I, as you talk about that, and I, as I was reading the numbers earlier this morning, I think that's exactly what had struck me is, you know, here I am working from home, as I have been for, about 14 months now, and lots of other people, just about all the other odd-air people that I know are doing the same sort of thing. Somebody has to manage that. Somebody has to control that. Somebody has to say, okay, this is what you're going to do. You guys have to set this up here. I said there's a, a great deal of pressure on, mm-hmm. on managers, whether you're a re- manager of a restaurant or a radio station or, or you know, any kind of an, a, a work environment like that. Uh, Nobody, nobody ever signed on for this kind of pressure, and, and they're, they're having to deal with it on a daily basis.
3: Exactly, and organizations need to pay attention to that because I mentioned people are kind of reconsidering their jobs at higher, at a higher rate, and and managers are even reconsidering their jobs and whether they stay in their careers more so than the non-managers. And at the end of the day, their work is not done. You know, we still need them to support their employees. We still need them to help transition back to whatever kind of normal we end up with. Uh, we could, at, at a minimum, you know, give them the skills and training in order to deal effectively and not like counselors, but like managers with the mental health issues that, are, that they're facing almost on a daily basis. So managers have told us that they need more support and skill, not only for themselves, but how to manage the issues with their
0: teams. There's another interesting part to this, too, uh, that I found fascinating. Because uh, you did ask questions about, well, what if and, and when this is over going back to work. And and I get the sense uh, from some of the responses here, Paula, that there's a certain trepidation to that, that, you know, even as much as we might have been comfortable in that environment, now that we've been exposed to working from home or part-time working from home or whatever the case might be, uh, there's some, some nervousness about, do I want to go back into that environment? Maybe I kind of like doing this, uh, and we're not sure we just – how that's going to be received and, and, and what the workplace is going to look like going forward.
3: Yeah, and, and that's a lot of uh, a lot of the additional stress that we're putting on ourselves is that kind of what is it going to look like? And, I, I, and Honestly, I don't think anybody knows. We
0: mm-hmm. know what
3: today looks like. We should focus on the things that we can control today and make sure that we get what we need today. Tomorrow might look a little bit different. The way you think might look a little bit different. Your opportunities might look a little bit different. You know, it, it is really a matter of investing in your own well-being, your own productivity, your own peace of mind at the moment, because we've been polling people for almost a year now, and expectations around what the return to work would look like, or the return to office, or the return to normal, whatever you want to call it, has changed dramatically during that, that time. And I, and I do think that it just adds another level of uncertainty if we focus too much too far in advance.
0: Are we going to alleviate some of this stress and maybe get a higher score on some of these things if we can get to the point where we can start socializing again?
3: Well, we have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We, you know what? It, and it's not even just socializing, right? Like we, what, what we need, what we absolutely need, I can't even overstate this. I'm sitting up in my chair as I'm saying this, <laughs> is, is that we can't survive as human beings without connection to other human beings, full mm-hmm. stop. And, you know, we've been used to having that connection in a certain way, but it it, it isn't about whether you go to a a nightclub or a museum or a restaurant. It's around making sure that you have that person in your life, that you're able to communicate, that you feel safe, that you have that sense of belonging. The way we've been experiencing that has been disrupted, but we can't wait for it to return because that's a huge risk. We have to find other ways, digital ways, you you know, whatever way that we can outdoors whatever way that we can to maintain those relationships that connection that sense of belonging because what 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 I truly fear is that the more we are living in this state of disconnectedness the less the more difficult it will be for us to get back to that connection um, and I say that because we've been trending towards a society with way too much isolation even before the pandemic. So mm-hmm. we were already down we were already down a path.
0: Yeah, uh, way too much time on on screens and not enough time talking back and forth with people. I mean that was, uh, that was a, a, a pandemic in and of itself before this even started, and it's even worse. Uh, and I guess the, the, what a lot of us are probably doing at this stage, Paul, is questioning ourselves, can I do that again? I uh, said, so I trust it. I mean, because we've been told for the last 14 months, uh, don't get close to people. I, I mean, physically close, because you know th- th- you can catch something, and and it could be a, a disastrous impact like that. Uh, we've we've got to get over that now, don't we?
3: We do, and you know, pay attention to what's realistic. I mean, this we adapted our behavior because of a, a, a particular necessity at a particular point in time. You know, that will change. That will change in one way or uh, or another um uh, but i think i think the main thing to keep in mind is that you cannot survive without connections with other human beings so we have to make sure that we have that we have to make sure that we do it as safely as possible in a time a time of risk but you can't put relationships on hold you damage yourself when you do that
0: Absolutely, a fascinating discussion, and uh, I, I got to tell you, I look forward to these reports. I mean, it's great to get these numbers and see just where we are on this. And uh, there are better days ahead. I guess that's what we have to remind ourselves. And 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 I know that you talked about that in uh, the piece about uh, this month's report. Is that uh, you know we have to make sure that in the interim that, that the support services are there for people that are going through this, so they they feel as if they have someone they can talk to.
3: That's right. Uh, and again, you know, it, it, there, there's your, your, your circle of friends, your family, um, but there is also professional support as well, because sometimes you might be so overwhelmed, um, you might need a little bit more than what others can, can give you. And that's very available as well, even uh, through uh, public resources. So, you know, <laughs> it, there's a, a resource called myICBT.com that allows connection with a therapist. Uh, and also some uh, digital support in co- cognitive behavioral therapy that can help people kind of you know, get the right mindset, focus on the right things, build the strategies to have connections with, with others. And many, uh, many Canadian uh, people also have access to employee assistance programs for themselves and their families. So connections to others, whether it's family, friends, or professional, very important.
0: Absolutely, and uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, Such a pleasure having you on the program today, Paula. Thank you so much for the time.
3: Oh, thank you for talking about this.
0: Take Take care. care. Paula Allen, of course, uh, Senior Vice President at uh, Morneau Sheppel. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML.